I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The How's Your Father podcast with Johnny Cochran. And now, here's Johnny. Hello and welcome to another edition of the How's Your Father podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to all things fatherhood. We really like to dig a little deeper to get to the real issues affecting fathers um, and and apart from their children that's a main issue of fathers uh, have to face and those that listen to this podcast will know that i'm always joined by a sensational guest and this week i am even more excited than i usually am by our guests because we haven't got um a guest from the comedy industry as i have a lot of friends like that we haven't got a guest from tv necessarily we have a guest that is really held like written high regard close to my heart because he is someone from my beloved arsenal and part of the legendary arsenal defense it's nigel winterburn Oh, that sounded loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just become a, 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 a basically a customary thing of this podcast that it'll be one person clapping. But I want you to know that that should sound like Wembley going crazy <laughs> to you because we are, we are so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. No, no, it's a, it, it's a pleasure. And uh, I've got a feeling it could be very interesting. So uh, <laughs> let's, see, let's see where it takes us. So, Nigel, you, uh, well, the, the, the listeners will know you from the, the classic Arsenal defence, the legendary Arsenal defence, um, and all that you did at Arsenal. But, you know, you went to other clubs as well and were successful there. But you are a father. Um, how many children do you have? I have three children, two boys and a, and a girl. And uh, I wouldn't call them children anymore because, uh, well, they're 31, 30 and 23 now. So uh, they have gone past the toddler stage, I hope. (laughs) And they're at the, well, you know, the thing is, is if it's anything like some of my family, there are still those dependencies that you have from from a child. They're still there even when they get into their 30s sometimes and won't leave. Have all of your children left the house? No, my, uh, my two boys i've left they've had enough of me uh but abby my uh, daughter is still here and she's refusing to leave so. <laughs> she says she's got the good life so why would she want to leave <laughs> there you go there you go um so nigel let's take it back to the start if you like in, in terms of your your journey into fatherhood um had you always wanted to be a dad is that something that you'd always uh, pictured for your life or was it something that kind of just developed naturally when you and your uh, partner got together well i think when um 
you know, uh, Sandy and I first met up, and we we uh, were then married. I think the I think we were under the yeah. The, we I think we did want uh, children. In fact, I know my wife wanted four, but when I got to three, that was enough. Uh, <laughs> it was like three three's enough i you know i prefer to have one on one hand and uh that'll do for me and four would have meant i've got one either side of me so um yeah but we always we were always going to going to have children but it was just a case i think of uh, uh of how many um and I, if i'm honest with you i think you learn each child that you have um, you sort of learn new skills and you maybe each one is you you look at particularly in early life uh, a little bit differently you know we certainly look back on our first child and uh, we now say oh why did we do that we wish we would have you know a bit more relaxed about things so it's yeah it, it's very it's very interesting and uh, i've certainly got three three different children that's for sure yeah i'm surprised you didn't go for the four because then you could actually have a back four like or or, or with you complete a five-a-side team together do you know that kind of thing i think sandy's gonna have to be part of your five-a-side team that way well, um, yeah i don't think she should she would participate in that but my <laughs> daughter abby certainly uh uh, she she certainly fancies herself as a footballer. So uh, fantastic! She, she would she would she would like all that. <laughs> Love it. So, um, in terms of uh, the fact that you were a, a professional football player as well and played at Premier League level and all the trappings that come with uh, a footballer's lifestyle, do you think that? As a professional athlete and, you know, um, getting paid in that kind of realm as well, do you think it encourages footballers to have children at potentially a younger age? Because once your financials are kind of covered, you kind of think, well, maybe I'll get on with other aspects of life. Yeah, I think for me, um, it was uh, completely different because um, the period, uh, my first period, obviously, at Wimbledon, then going to, to Arsenal, I mean, uh, the financial security was not there for, for for Sandy and myself. You know, it was um, it was pretty normal, really. To I got to do um, absolutely a job that I loved, uh, and I've always called it a, a job. Um, but I think the yes, the admiration you get from the supporters if you're successful and I was lucky to play in a team that was successful and you did get added rewards for that but from ve- from the very, very, you know, the first few seasons at uh, Arsenal, there certainly, I would say, was not any financial stability there <laughs> what, whatsoever. You obviously don't know George Graham too well. <laughs> Uh, yeah okay so for our listeners benefit um yeah probably not get earning Thierry on re-money at that point then uh no I, th- I think the problem is is now uh just you know well I'm, I'm retired and people associate you with Arsenal and professional football and they think you were earning the money that the players were earning now and I'm like these players were earning a week what I didn't even earn to start with in a, in a year or you know or three years it's just it's just ridiculous and I think people don't really understand that um, you know it was a completely different um, for for myself in those early years it was certainly a completely different lifestyle I would have called it if you want to call it a normal lifestyle uh, to most people it would have been normal but as I just said to you 
the fact that I was playing professional football didn't give me, I don't think, um, you know, if you want the the, the trappings of the, uh, the security of, you know, of being able to just go out and buy something, if you like. I was like, I would class myself as like everybody else. If I wanted, Sandy and I wanted anything, we had to put money aside each week to then be able to, to go and do that. So I think that's just sort of showing you the different levels of money that was involved. Sure. <laughs> Early when I was playing to, um, to, to what the guys earn now. Obviously, you know, later on in my career, the, yeah, I think really with Bruce Riot first of all, and then uh, Arsene Wenger, the, uh, the money side of it increased dramatically. Uh, but again, you know, you do stress that it's, you know, it's nothing like these guys were in. But then, you know, later on uh, in towards my career, I got a lot more uh, uh, stability in terms, if you think, uh, if, if you want to call it in terms of wealth, um, that was for sure. And, and you'd already had kids by that point. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, very early. I mean, my, you know, I joined Arsenal in, um, so, 87. Uh, and then, so my kids were born 89, 91 and 97. So, yeah, so, 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 so fairly early. So, uh, I yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah, like the, the generation of football changed with all the money that came with the Premier yeah, League with- late and that you caught the tail end of that. I'm surprised you weren't out there going, do you know what? I've got a fair few years left in me, you know, give me another, another well, decade. Why, why do you think I went on to 39 and a half? <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Um, So Nigel, in terms of, um, we we talked about one aspect of being a professional athlete and that is the uh, kind of financial side of it and how that may affect uh, fatherhood. But also there are different demands with regards to uh, your your work lifestyle and that would have been the travel as well. You would have had to travel a lot uh, to play these football games. How did that impact on your being a, a dad and how you and your, and your wife were raising your children? Did it, was it a negative thing? Like, were you not seeing them or did you find that well, no, I d- found a good way of doing obviously, it? Obviously, when I was playing and travelling, if we were playing in Europe, I, I didn't see them. But, you know, as I... As I'm speaking to you now, I'm, uh, you know, I called it, a, I call it a job. Where I always told, uh, you know, when my children were sort of old enough to understand, or they were asking where their dad was, I would always say to them that dad's daddy's going, to, he's going to work. You know, I didn't, I never said, oh, I'm just, I'm going off to play football. I always, I always called it work. Right. Uh, but, but it was, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the if you like it's not a burden but the the pressure got switched over to sandy so when i was away she slowly had to cope on her own because obviously uh my parents were from the midlands uh and and sandy's parents were originally from the midlands and then moved up to nottingham so we had we had no one around us to to help out really so when i was away uh, then it was it it was up to it was up to Sandy to to have to to, to have to cope with that. But uh, yeah, I think that I think that whether the you know over time whether the kids really under understood what was what was happening, I'm not entirely sure. But they they just knew that their their dad had to, had to on occasions had to work away, um, and that that's just the way it was. I, I think you've missed a trick there, Nigel. If, if it was me, I'd be showing off. Like they'd be like, "Where's Dad going?" I, I'm starting left back for Arsenal. Google me, you know, <laughs> throwing it in their face. But um, so, well, so, 
Yeah, the, was, the, the funniest thing about that is when they were, you know, when they were uh, sort of watching the games uh, on TV, they always used to say to Sandy, oh, there's Nigel Winterburn on TV. They never used to say, there's that. <laughs> they, I don't oh, wow. know whether they, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was really a strange uh, uh, scenario. I just don't, I don't know whether they could sort of put the two things together yeah uh, which was which was to me i find you know quite strange but it, it was just and then when i got home I was like oh dad's home <laughs> yeah it's just it was just a bit like just that it was a bit strange but uh yeah that's just the, that's just the way it was i think i might have a similar situation when my son's a bit older because there's a few tv programs i've done i think he might watch that and go oh there's that twat on the tv <laughs> and then he goes not dad so you know try it <laughs> Try and uh, amalgamate the two worlds for him. Um, when we talk about the fact that you, again, were a professional athlete, do you think that being a dad kept you grounded in the sense that there are other um, professional footballers who maybe didn't have children? And did you see them maybe enjoy the, you know, the nightclubs and the lavish lifestyle a bit more than those people that did have families and kind of hunkered down? Um, well, you should know the, the uh, Johnny very well. The history of the Tuesday Club <laughs> at Arsenal. So uh, I wouldn't say that I was a fully fledged member, but I, I did go uh, occasionally. But to be quite honest with you, my uh, wife was absolutely fine with that. All she just needed to know is what time are you coming back? Because obviously I've got I've got the kids. So I always used to play safe and say, well, probably about 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and if I was if I was back at 12 or 1, it was an added bonus. But no, I, I, don't, I, I think it does because you have to, you know, you've got to appreciate um, your other half and you've got to appreciate that you've, you've uh, got, well, I certainly did, and the children. And for me, it was getting that uh, combination right. Yes, you wanted to still be part of the team uh, when they were going out and socialising because I felt that, that we, at Arsenal we had a fantastic bond by us all being together outside of football on occasions. And uh, I have to say, um, you know, in the first few seasons at Arsenal as well, we all got together like wives, girlfriends, you know, and we, we often met up and, you know, had, had uh, you know, sort of like a social gathering, if you like. So I think that gave us a strong bond. But then you, on the flip side, you've got to realise if you've got young children, you know, you've got a, you know, for me, I felt that I needed to try and play uh, a significant part in that. And I wanted to be um, uh, a part of that as well. And I, I don't think I'd have had it any other way. So, so to talk on that point to kind of expand a bit, and I'll just um, just uh, preface that by the way with your last point about the Tuesday Club for anyone who yeah. might be listening who doesn't know Tuesday Club referencing the likes of Paul Merce and Tony Adams, classic Arsenal players who used to go out every Tuesday and get completely obliterated, and then they'd have enough time to recover for the match on Saturday. I, I, I've summed that up quite well, haven't I, Nigel? I think you've hit it spot on. I don't think there's, <laughs> don't think there's any need for me to say. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Rest my case, Your Honour. But um, so you you kind of hinted there in terms of your um, your outlook on fatherhood and and needing to feel a part on of the kids' lives and not just be you know, professional footballer N Nigel Winterburn. Um, where do you think that came from in terms of your um, outlook on uh, on fatherhood and trying to 
be a, a really involved dad was that something that you got from your parents yeah i think so um well I, I know it was i you know i was an only child but um the amount of time that uh my parents spent supporting me uh with any sporting event really um but particularly with with football you know i you know i at one stage i think you know when i was at school i was playing for my school team i was playing for a saturday team i was playing for a sunday team you know uh and that that needs a hell of a lot of commitment from your parents to take you places make sure you're there on on time so i mean you know my you know my mum and dad supported me unbelievably for a long period of time, you know, and even when I went into um, professional football for many, many years, they were at every single game, home and away. They travelled, you know, um, with sometimes with with friends, um, and and but to me that was just the you know the the sort of connection that that gave me to say that you need to be. You need to be part of your family. You can't just make a family and then expect everybody else to to look after them. So I, I think I had some some good grounding with the way that my parents just sort of supported me, really. And was there anything that, well, when you first had children, was there anything that surprised you about being a dad in terms of the demands um, that were going to be placed on you? Or, or in general, is there anything that you kind of... Thought, yeah. This is exactly how it's going to be, and this is kind of easy. Yeah, getting up in the middle of the night to feed them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what we used to do is uh, what Sandy and I used to do is uh, so Sandy would do um, up till um, so I would so let, let me say that again. I would I so after I played a game on a Saturday or Sunday, I would then get up in through the night to uh, to feed well James to start with uh, until the Wednesday and then Sandy would do all the rest of the end of the week she would do she would get up to 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 do the feeding um so in in essence we were both we, we it was like equal shares but we were also both getting getting a getting part rest as well and trying to um trying to trying to trying to sleep through uh, as well and i i did de- i developed some quite interesting skills of uh, of looking after my uh, my well now my oldest but my only child at, at that time as well working out ways to once you fed them get them back you know literally they, uh, james was in our room uh you know how do you want to you know feed them it was almost like trying to put matchsticks in your eyes feed feed uh, James and then I've got to get him uh, back to sleep and I'm thinking if I can get him back to sleep quick then I can go back to sleep very very quickly uh, as well so I came up with this idea is I don't, I don't even know if they still exist in the modern world but we used to have what you used to call a swinging crib which yep. is basically a cot on uh, on uh, on a platform and it just used to rock from side to side. So I worked out that um, once I'd fed James and put him back down, if I got a piece of rope and attached it to the swinging crib, I could go back to bed <laughs> and I could have it down the side of my bed and I could just gently have my arm out the bed and I could be pulling the piece of string 
and let the swinging crib be moving from side to side to get him back to sleep. Now, I don't know how many times he may have swung a full circle <laughs> in that period of time that he was in that crib. But let me tell you, it worked brilliantly. It was unbelievable. It was a, it was a genius idea that I wanted to take to the manufacturers, but I didn't think it would pass health and safety <laughs> regulations. Oh, I don't really, there you have it, guys. Nigel Winterburn's approach to fatherhood. He's like Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. He's rigging up <laughs> contraptions. That's brilliant. I love that. I might try that one. Um, you, the, the fact that you are a, 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 or were a professional athlete as well, was there anything that, uh, any skills or approaches that you had with regards to your um, professional, you know, professional life that you could use uh, with regards to parenting as well? Um I don't know, really, in terms of I just, Sandy and I were, you know, first child. We were new to it. Yes, I suppose if you wanted you, people would give you advice. But I think, you know, you had to, you had to find your own methods, your own ways of looking after your, looking after your child, looking after your baby at that, at that period of time. And I think what you will, what you will say is that you learn very, very quickly right and wrong you do do some things wrong nobody is perfect you don't mean to make those mistakes but i think you do uh but you just find something that works for you uh, uh you know and, and sandy and i just sort of got a, we seem to be able to just work together just to you know to get the to get the co to get the, the the combination right but uh it it, it it wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy, but it it was, you know, it, it was it was enjoyable because you always feel sometimes as well as if maybe you're, you know, you're being a little bit judged because you might not want to do something exactly, um, you know, as 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 people are telling you, you know. Uh, I don't know if if it's the same now because I'm not planning any more children. But <laughs> you used to used to have like the, what I used to call the nurse used to come in, midwife used to come in and, and see you, and they they used to say to you, "Oh, you need to you need to wake James up every uh, you know every six hours to uh, to feed him." And she, the nurse would would, would go out the door, and, and I, I looked at Sandy, and we both looked at each other, and we went, "So we're going to wake him up in the middle of the night to feed him." Uh, no, I don't think so. When he wakes up, we're going to feed him. And to be quite honest, very, very quickly, he went through to about six o'clock in the morning. Oh, so don't for say us, that, Nigel. We've honestly, had nightmares was, with ours. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, that's something that if you, maybe if you said, do you know what, I didn't, I didn't wake, I didn't wake my little one up. I just wait, waited for them to wake up because my thing was, why wake them up? They're going to wake up when they're hungry. Yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah. what we used to say. And we would say that the, the like the midwife would go out. We used to say, seriously, there's no way I'm going to wake James up. That's just not possible. <laughs> I'd do, like a little bit of sleep myself as well. Do, do you do you think that uh, the way, well, the, the advice that is offered to parents these days is a little bit kind of over the top with regards to um, telling people to, you know, micromanaging people in terms of their approach to parenting rather than going with the approach that every child's different and every oh. you know, situation is going to be different. That sounds a little bit more like the approach that you and Sandra had. Oh, yeah. Well, every, every, every child is different. 
everybody, every you know, everybody reacts differently. Uh, you know, I, I would uh, know. Well, I know for sure that you know people we knew at the time as well that had young children. Uh, you know, when they were asleep, they'll say, "Oh, you can't put any music on or or the vacuum cleaner on." As soon as ours went to sleep when they were very young, it was like, put the vacuum on, let's get them used to some noise. <laughs> we'd whack, whack the vacuum cleaner on or we'd, we'd, whack the, we'd whack the stereo on just to create the noise so they got used to, to sleeping through. But, but other, other people said, oh, no, you've got to be very, very quiet in the house. And it was just like, no, no, we can't, have, we can't, have, we, we can't be doing that. And anyway, we've got animals, they're not going to be quiet. So... You know, they've just got to get used to. They've just got to get to, used to the noise very, very quickly. So, I think you just, do you know what? I think it's what you're comfortable with, uh, and what you want to try and achieve for yourself, and how it sort of fits in uh, with you. So, I don't think there is one way to manage. Uh, you know, every single child. I think every single child is differently. They'll all have different sleep patterns. Some will be much more demanding. Uh, than others um, and I always say you know if they you know now when you look back if they are if they are too demanding then you need help you need you need certainly to to, to ask ask for advice don't don't be afraid to to, to do that um, you know but uh, you know I think uh, you know for for pretty much we we had we had ideas that we wanted to do but we maybe had to just adapt them slightly along the way Oh, that's, that's really good advice. Absolutely. Something we definitely endorse on the podcast. You know, do ask if you are in need of assistance. Um, so, uh, obviously, your children are old. Uh, can I just say as well, I know there's a lot of focus with you, you were saying about sleep. Like, but I keep thinking, if I was a professional football player, having to play in the Premier League, you know, if you... How how could that how would that affect your performance potentially in training and even match that? I know you were saying you worked out a system with your wife with regards to the weekend, but how does how could that how could that have an impact on your level of performance? Well, I, I hope it didn't, and it seemed not to because uh, I, I managed to stay at Arsenal for many 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 seasons. So, but I, I think at times. I was, uh, to be honest with you, I was. I was very, very tired, but I, I then tried to really catch up with sleep. And then you ask anybody that uh, I, I I played with is when we had an away game, that was it. As soon as I got to the hotel, I was asleep. <laughs> it, that was that was it. Straight in, straight in bed, straight to, straight to sleep. So I think, you know, the in a way, the away game sort of, helped you if you were traveling the day before or even in the morning you know as soon as we got there if it was a night game i'd you know I'd, we'd, we'd maybe have a bit of lunch but then i'd go to sleep for you know four or five hours whatever time we had before we had to meet again and, and go to the game so i think you you learn to catch up but i i agree with you i do look back and think at times um you know i i don't know how um I don't know how we did cope or particularly I cope. I mean, at that period of time as well, um, Sandy, my wife was, um, she was uh, triathlon. She was in the great Britain team for triathlons. So the amount of training she was doing as well, on top of what I did was ridiculous. I I watched her train. I went out with her and, uh, you know, she used to go running and she'd do running and swimming or she'd, you know, swimming and biking in, in, you know, for seven days a week. 
uh, and I'd sometimes go out on a bike while she was running and people used to laugh because if they used to recognise us because I'm supposed to be the professional athlete and I'm sitting on the bike toodling along and she's full out pelting uh, down the road. So I think we, uh, I do believe at times we were both exhausted, but I think it gave you that mental strength being a professional that you just, you just knew how you, you had to, you had to handle it and, and, and go through it. Uh, and I, I think maybe being a professional athlete and being drilled in that, that winning mentality and never giving up. I think that, that, that did, that did help us. Wow. I mean, you've really put to shame a lot, probably a lot of our listeners here. I mean, what an athletic household you've got. You're a professional triathlete and a professional footballer and raising a child. I mean, we're lucky if we get a Joe Wicks video done in this house. So. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a bit like that at the moment. I have to, I have to tell you, <laughs> Joe Wicks has been switched off for a long time in my house. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be done. Um, so, so no, 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 it's, it's fascinating. And the reason why I bring up the soup is, well obviously people listening to this podcast are unlikely to be professional footballers but sleep management is one a massive thing and in terms of everyone has a level of performance in the jobs that they do whether you're you know working at a supermarket or working as a professional footballer your performance can go up and down with especially if you're not sleeping but I just wanted to say you know you you can look holistically at your child's your children's uh, whole lives now because they're all grown adults. Um, was there a period in terms of their life, their um, their lifetimes that you found particularly more challenging than others, or or was it that sleep deprived period at the start or, or later on? No, I, th- I think I, I, I think the most difficult period for uh, Sandy and I was when uh, a second child came along, Joe. Um, so there is, um, let's work it out now. I better get it right. And I was about 20 months difference between my two boys. And then at that, that period in time, about two months after Joe was born, James decided that he actually didn't want to sleep at night anymore. And he wanted to watch videos on the, on the TV. And of course we'd been brought up to like, no, no, you, you can't do that. So it was like, what do we do here? So we, it was a like really difficult period about how we're going to, we, we now got two children. Um, one's still, well, they're both young, but one's very, very young still. And, uh, and all of a sudden you got this second one who doesn't want to go to sleep at, at night time. And, uh, I spent, and I don't know how I did it and how I survived. Uh, I spent many hours uh, getting up, putting James in the car, driving around in the car uh, for about 45 minutes, waiting for him to be asleep. And this would be like two, three o'clock in the morning. And then I'd put him back in his bed. Hopefully he'd stay asleep. <laughs> and then I'd go back to bed uh, myself. And it, But that, I suppose that, for me... That was the most difficult period, and and for 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 Sandy as well. It was just, it was just so hard because we did not know what to do. We we didn't know what was you know what was right or wrong. How do it's so so difficult to leave a young child crying in their bedroom or standing in their car shouting. Yeah, you know, I you know, want to get up or shouting your name to go and see them. And I suppose really now when I look back and we've talked about it, obviously with having Abby as well, is we've looked and said, 
why did we not just let James get in our bed? Or why didn't we try to put him in our bed? But but then it didn't seem the right thing to do. And now I look back and think, surely we could have solved all that. He could have he could have just got in bed with us and when he was asleep, I could have just lifted him back into back into his own bed or in, in you know at, at that period of time. So I think that was stupid. Why just why just didn't we do that? But that's why I always say uh, said earlier is just get some advice and see whether or or ping something off somebody and say do you think that is that okay to do that? You know, is that is do you think that you know would that be acceptable? And it's I just look back and think, God, oh God, why didn't we? Why didn't we at least try that rather than me getting scrambling around for my car keys <laughs> at two and three o'clock in the morning and driving round, uh, you know, driving around the streets? How I never got stopped by any police, <laughs> I, I will, I will never, I will never know. But uh, yeah, it was that was. Uh, let's put it this way. That was an interesting period. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it. The night drives. I like that. Oh, yeah. And there will be loads of parents who do. I, I've heard a few parents who, who've had to do something similar. It is a, a desperation. Um, how did you approach the emotional element with regards to your kids? Were you always someone who was emotionally available to them, or or are you a bit more stoic? No, no. I think I'm. Yeah, no. I mean, I. Yeah, I think I was emotionally uh, involved uh, with them. I think it depends on, you know, what what lines we're really um, we're really talking about. Because when they, if we're talking about when they're younger, you know, I, you know, I certainly was emotional. I was emotional when all my uh, all my children were were born. It's you know, it's it's such a special period. Um, to, to enjoy as uh, for Sandy and I, and then as as, as a as a as a family, so I have uh, no problems about showing showing my emotions to to my kids, particularly now now I'm older um, <laughs> uh, as well. You know, I'm obviously I'm many many times I'm the one blubbering away, and they're asking me what's wrong because I just I just find now that actually it's better just to let it out. Rather than rather than getting building up all your your frustrations, so yeah, I think I, I my kids certainly know who who I am, and emotionally they know that yeah, if yeah, if something happens, then I'm likely I'm likely to 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 blubber away, but I I don't have a I don't have a problem with that. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Your children are older now and um, potentially, I, 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 I don't know their uh, kind of athletic career, but I don't think they got to the level of uh, footballing um, success that you did yourself. But when they were younger, was that something that you wanted them to do to fill in your follow in your uh, footsteps? Uh, no, I just, uh, I just when we were obviously uh, when they were at schooling, I just you know, I we Sandy and I from both being naturally very very uh, sported anyway, we just thought that they would do that. We we did just say to them like you know, just find a sport and enjoy it. You know, the uh, the best you can. It doesn't matter. What what you know what you do and um, I think particularly for um, the two boys when they first played football, I felt as if they were being judged on who I was, and I thought that was very very fair unfair on them, and I think that did put a fair bit of pressure on on them because I know my younger boy switched from uh, football to rugby. Of course, then there's no. There's no coloration between the, between the, the the two of us, but I've you know Sunny and I've been to, but I'm talking about when they were younger, been to uh, been to games, and you turn up and you you hear the parents say, "Oh, that's Nigel Winterburn's son." Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't you know, he's James is his, or James or Joe, their their own person. Doesn't mean to, you know they, they've got no advantage. Uh, over anybody else, but I think I think that put a lot of pressure on them. Um, that that people thought that they were going to be a, a very 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 high level. And I, I felt that was you know was com- was completely unfair. Right, right. Um, th- that's really it's really interesting to me. And 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 again, like even now, again, our listeners can relate in terms of you know there can be. Uh, family businesses that or, or, or you know particular talents in a field and it's not just elite level sports it can be anything and and often kids do buck that trend and go down different routes uh, in terms of your uh, the pressures with regards to staying in a marriage and managing being a, a parent how did you and your wife make that work in uh, you know with regards to um, all the pressures that were going on you're, you're both very athletic so how did you find the how did you find the ways to make it work between you well we just we just tried to support each other um you know as as much as i could and you know i knew for sure that when i was playing football that there was a lot of responsibility on sandy to look after the kids but i knew as well i mean it's a slightly different level with the triathlons now to when sandy was uh doing it but in her you know in her own right she was I think at one stage she was like number two or three in, in Great Britain but it wasn't a 
it wasn't sort of a well-known sport like you know it, it it was now but she was there on her own right so all I used to do is is obviously when when she had an event um then I would you know I would be there and and usually with with the kids um, supporting her, but as you know, with a triathlon, it's quite difficult to watch <laughs> any of it. So you just have to wait for the like the transitions and then the end bit to see where you to see where you finish. So, but you know, I was there to you know to su- support her. So I think we both knew like the demands of if you like if training and the amount of work that you've got to put in. Uh, and then the, the amount of rest and balance that you need, that each person needs, then we just we just sort of bounced off each other, really. And, and, and both, I think, ex- accepted that we both had responsibilities um, to the kids together, but also separately at times when we were away doing, you know, doing our different sport. Um, and it, it just seemed to work to, uh, to work to, to perfection. I got you. That's, that's a great bit of the communication, obviously, is key. Um, so, Nigel, on this podcast, uh, we like to end uh, each episode with a bit of advice for the dads in a little feature that we call Get Your Tips Out for the Dads. Uh, and I yeah. would be remiss if I didn't sing the little song intro. So, get your tips out, get your tips out, get your tips out for the dads. Nigel Winterburn. Well, I don't think I could follow that, but the one thing I would say, I just talked about it, communication, understanding, absolutely want to be a father. Um, and don't be afraid to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We're all trying to do uh, the, right, the right things. But if any time you feel under pressure, communication, easy. Fantastic. That's, that's, my, that's my get my tips out. For the lads. <laughs> <laughs> For the dads, whatever one you want to say. Communication is key. And, you know, you have taken that from the legendary Arsenal back four. Tony Adams talking to you all, letting you all know communication is key when well, you're defending and a dad. Love it. Absolutely well, love that. Well, what I could have said, Johnny, was if you need any advice, get your put your hand up in the air and ask for <laughs> advice. You'll know what I'm on about there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids are offside. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Nigel, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. I, I, I obviously am a huge fan and I'm sure everyone who listened to you uh, will be uh, really, really taken on board everything you've said. So thanks so much for coming on. Can you let our uh, listeners know where they might find you if they want to uh, see any more of your work or in your broadcasting or even follow you on socials? I think you'll find that I am a fairly private person. I am on social media. You can find me on, uh, on there. But, uh, you know, if you're tweeting to me or trying to get a response, uh you won't get a response very, very often uh, because I'm not into a lot of a lot of the social media side. Um, I just tend to uh, stay away from it, just solely because uh, we've seen just lately the uh, abuse uh, that a lot of people are getting, and, and it's, to me, it's just not acceptable. So I don't want to get into any dialogue. Uh, that could put me in that situation and if I miss out on certain things in, in, in life through doing that then so be it but uh, I'm, I'm fairly happy with the way I am Nigel thanks so much for coming on and guys we will see you next time a podcast from producer Paul 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.